Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, March 17th, 2019 called Citizens of Heaven, given by Pastor Jim Von Bush. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this past week, our circuit, the Yellowstone Circuit of Pastors, everywhere from Soda, you know, Hope and Soda Springs all the way to Ashton, we gather together once a month to meet as pastors and we talk about how things are going in the places where we serve and, and encourage one another and share ideas and thoughts. And, and one of the things we do is we'll talk about the upcoming sermon. And so I said to the guys there, at the, as we sat around the table, I said, so what in your, you know, just here's a survey, what brings people together? And all of a sudden they started popping off with all these different answers of what brings people together. And just normal life, what brings people together? And maybe you're even having those thoughts right now, thinking, oh, these are the kinds of things that bring our family together or people together, friends together. What brings people together? And so I was just going to share a few of the things that came from that list. Uh, one that came up right away was the birth of a child. So typically when a newborn, uh, when that birth takes place, grandparents show up or other family members and and then especially a time for the baptism of that infant, there's times when family gathers together. And, and so the birth of a child is quite often something that brings people together. And then almost immediately after that, followed with, you know what else brings people together is kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum is death of a loved one. And so even here, yesterday in this space, we honored Louise Lee and her faith and, and glorified Christ, her Savior, but it brought a whole bunch of people together family and friends who uh, were you know, joined together, quite honestly, in many ways, because of Louise. And so that brought people together. Some other things that came up in the list were weddings. Weddings can bring a whole slew of people together, especially if you uh, send out the invitations for a lot of gift gift. No, I'm just kidding. Um, holidays will bring people together. Although, you know, my family, I've been serving as a pastor for a number of years now, and my family back in Chicago still says, when are you going to come visit us at Christmas? And I say, I kind of work at Christmas. You know, it's one of the days that I work. And so anyway, uh, I tell them I'm not coming at Christmas or those holidays. Uh, sometimes sporting, and get, you know, sporting events or entertainment will get people together. Just having some common interests, common causes, things that we are passionate about and serve together on. Um, sometimes, again, on one end of the spectrum, times of suffering. On the other end of the spectrum, times of celebration. Even here today, right, as we look around the room and we see that we have gathered together to worship Christ on this Sunday because He has welcomed us and invited us into His presence, where He gathers us together. Now, oftentimes food will be a great reason to get together. But lastly, and this was the one that, you know, when we were talking about as a group of guys on this last Thursday, it was invitations. Sometimes just being invited is what gathers us together. Being invited. And that's what Paul does here in Philippians chapter 3 is he makes an invitation. He starts out by saying, let's join together. Now he goes a little further and he says, let's join together and here's the reason we're going to join together. But his first thing is, let's join together. 
Now, a little interesting tidbit, if this ever comes up on your, um, you know, a quiz of some kind, Bible trivia, the word that Paul uses there for join, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And what he's actually done is taken two other words and kind of put them together to give a new meaning. And when Paul says join together, what he's really saying is, let's join in imitating. As the people of the day would have received that letter, they would have heard Paul say, let's join together in imitating. And then he goes on and explains. He says, you can follow my example. We can Im- you can imitate others that are going in the same direction that I'm going. But he says, let's join together in imitating. That's the purpose he wants them to join together for. And as soon as he says that, he launches into a discussion about the enemies of the cross of Christ. So I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about what Paul is referring to and why he brings up the enemies of the cross of Christ as soon as he says, let's join together in imitating. So if you're following along or taking any kind of notes, the first point is enemies identified. Enemies identified. Something I've longed for you to be able to hear from this point is that, as hard as it may be to hear this, no one is unique. Right? I mean, we have been told that forever. Everybody's unique. You're all individuals. And I hate to rain on your parade, but no one is truly that unique. Now, in God's eyes and His creation, right? I'm going to have to give the disclaimer here. He creates every one of us as individuals. He loves each one of us as individuals. But as you look around, right? Just as you pay attention to society and culture, when people try to be individuals, what happens? Everybody starts looking the same, right? You say, I'm just, I'm wearing these clothes or I'm doing my hair this way or I'm acting this way or doing whatever. It's so I can be an individual. And as you watch and look, boy, there's a whole lot of other people doing their hair the same way, dressing the same way, acting the same way, saying, well, I'm also being an individual. I just happen to look a whole lot like those people. So to illustrate that, right, this actually came out as an article in the MIT Technology Review. Here's the title of it. It says, The Hipster Effect. Why anti-conformists always end up looking the same. (laughs) That was their statement. That was the article, right? And this just came out in February in the MIT Technology Review. Now, the interesting thing is it goes on and the article talks about how as much as people try to be anti-conforming, you still end up with a lot of people kind of still looking the same. And they used a picture. They got it from uh, Getty Pictures or whatever it's called. And so, you know, it's, they paid for the use of that photo and put it in their article. Well, what happens is somebody saw the article in the magazine and says, they used a picture of me without my permission, right? So this picture they used, it was kind of a stereotypical, generalized look at what a hipster might look like. I mean, it had the knit stocking cap, the beard, the flannel shirt, the jeans with some holes in it. And, uh, and so this individual looks at it and says, you have slandered me, you've labeled me, you've called me a hipster based on the way I dress and look and things of that nature. And he says, I'm suing you for using my picture without my permission. Well, of course, the magazine goes back to Getty and says, you know, did we use somebody's picture without their permission? And No, we had permission, it was all above board. Well, then what comes out in the end, and this is the most hysterical part to me, I think, is the person who was suing, saying you've labeled me looking like a hipster because you've used my picture, on further looking at the picture, it's not him at all. He just looks like the person in the picture. (laughs) And he couldn't tell the difference of himself looking in the mirror and looking at the picture because he looked so much like it, right? I think I find that funny. But he was so upset because 
What he has said is, you have now labeled me as someone because of the way I look. And in fact, it bears out the truth. He looked like someone because, I mean, he, the label fit, kind of, because of the way he looked. And so the, the nonconformist ends up conforming. The nonconformist ends up looking like everybody else. And I think my point here is what Paul is making, actually, the point he's making, is that we just naturally conform. We naturally imitate others. It's part of who we are as human beings as we imitate others. So Paul is saying there has been this imitation process already going on. And he calls it enemies of the cross of Christ. There's an imitation process that's already been happening and it looks like this. The enemies of the cross look like this. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Paul says here's the picture of people who have been imitating one another and in in this label of enemies of the cross of Christ. And so simply stated, right, the characteristics that Paul is identifying here is that sometimes we gratify ourselves, our own needs and wants and desires. That would be something, a characteristic of an enemy of the cross of Christ is somebody who engages in self-gratification. Or somebody who has a, just a temporal mindset. All that's important is right here, right now. I'm not concerned about the future. I'm certainly not concerned about eternity. It's just what's right in my uh, immediate presence. Or, he goes on and says, it's people who approve of shameful activities or engage in shameful activities. And I think what he means there by shameful activities is anything that God would not want us to do. Those deeds that are done in the dark, that the, the Word tells us will be brought into the light, but it's so you know, we accept or affirm or um, engage in what would be those kinds of activities. So, if you're anything like me, you've started to squirm a little bit because I think we would confess and agree that we, we also imitate those kinds of things. We gratify ourselves, our own needs, our own wants. We sometimes have our temporal mindset just on the here and the now and what's important to me. And sometimes we engage in activities that would be dishonoring to Christ and shameful. And so in that case, we all fit in that category if you agree with those kinds of things. We naturally behave according to that, that whatever we're joining together in. And in fact, I would go so far as to say it this way. We naturally behave and choose and live based on what our life is designed to do and be and how we're to live. This happens in relationships and choices and what we do day in and day out. And so I, I have a little example for you. It's something I, I have used in my training of other clinicians and counselors in the realm of substance abuse treatment. And I don't in any way mean to be flippant or facetious or, or um, insincere because addictions... You know, there are num- we struggle with addictions. We do, and we fight against them, and we deal with addictions in so many ways and levels. So this example I have for you is really just meant to, to illustrate this idea of how we naturally live out our life design. That's what Paul's talking about. As enemies of the cross of Christ, we naturally live it out. So, for example, there's a gentleman named Ed, and, uh, and this is what his life design kind of looks like. He is drinking alcohol on a regular basis, and it's because it's what his life is designed for. So on Monday nights... What happens typically on Monday nights in America? Guys get together and they watch a sporting event on TV. It might be basketball or football or baseball. And while they're doing that, they drink beer. Right? On Tuesday nights, 
Sometimes there's a, there's a bowling league that maybe Ed would participate in. And so after work, he gets his bowling shirt, he gets the bowling ball and shoes out of the trunk of the car, he goes to the bowling alley, and while he's bowling, what else might, might Ed do? He drinks beer. Well, then on Wednesdays, after you're over halfway through the week and it's time to relax, and so he just comes home, sits down in the recliner, has a remote control in one hand, and in the other hand, a bottle of beer. And then on Thursdays, it's dart throwing contest at the bar, and so he goes with a few friends, and they stop by at the bar on the way home and throw some darts and drink beer, which I'm, you know, I think that's probably unwise, personally, to drink beer and throw darts. But okay, you know. And then on Friday, it's uh, the work week's over, he's gotten paid, he goes home, says to his wife, hey, hon, let's go out for some dinner, and they go to a restaurant, she gets a glass of wine, and Ed's going to get some beer. You see, my point is that his life is designed for those things. And our lives are designed for certain things. And so Paul is saying, simply, I think, that many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. He's saying, this is what we have joined together in imitating one another, and it's what our lives are designed for. Designed for seeking self-gratification. And Paul says it brings him to tears. Our second point then is tears for fears. Paul says he's afraid. He's afraid for them because this path that they're on leads to destruction. And so he says, I shed some tears. As I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. As natural born enemies of the cross of Christ, the, the very answer to our greatest need is what we miss. Right? We miss the gift of God's grace in, his, in the cross of Christ. And that is the answer to our greatest need. And so Paul says, even with tears, I talk to you about this reality. This reality of living this way. And basically what I think he's saying is that people struggle in our natural who we are, we struggle to receive God's grace. We struggle. And I have heard everything from one end of the spectrum where people tell me, you know, I don't need God's grace. I'm fine. I've got my act together. I'm doing okay. My life is just the way I like it. I don't need God's grace. All the way to the other end of the spectrum where people have told me, I couldn't possibly expect God to show me grace. He's already done so much. I already owe Him too much. I can't ask for more. I just, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. And so anywhere on the, those two ends of the spectrum, I hear people say either they won't accept God's grace, receive God's grace, or I can't receive God's grace. In the end, Paul says it's tears that are shed because people struggle to receive God's grace. And now, Ty, I'm going to throw you a little bit of curveball here. We're going to jump to point four. Point four is live like a citizen. Live like a citizen. Because I'm talking about our natural order of kind of how we live and that we struggle to receive God's grace. And then Paul says, but live like a citizen. Live like a citizen of heaven. And our response might be, but I, I can't. I don't know how. How do I live like a citizen of heaven? And without receiving grace, might say it'd be very difficult or even impossible to live like a citizen of, the, of heaven, the citizen of the kingdom of Christ. And so, one of the things that Paul says is, join together 
in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He's basically saying, to do this on your own, you can't. You can't live as a citizen of heaven on your own because we don't know how to do it. And we, and we will imitate those around us. And so join together in imitating other citizens of heaven. And in fact, then he kind of indicates that, you know, in this joining together, how will that happen? Well, here at Grace, we've sought to find different ways for us to join together in imitating one another. One of those is right now. Right now, in this present moment, joining together to imitate as Christ has delivered his words of grace to us in forgiveness, in the songs that we have sung, in the, in the greeting of one another, and even in the reading of his word, he has said, here, I am giving you his, he's giving us his gifts to help us join together in imitating one another and, and his son. And then we talk about our small group Bible studies, life in Christ. We talk about um, service opportunities, people getting together to serve one another. Our 210 discipleship program is an opportunity for people to join together in imitating. And then here's, I, got, I just got to throw this last one in. It's a commercial for our 10W men's ministry. We are starting one week from tomorrow in the high school basement where we will join together exercise and nutrition and faith to imitate one another. And just as Paul said, follow my example and follow up one another's example as we do this journey together, figuring out, learning how to live as citizens of heaven. Because in the end, what Paul is getting to is it's a way of living. Being a citizen of heaven is a way that we live differently than being an enemy of the cross. And so, as Paul says this, he's saying, you bear a new name, right? As followers of Christ, citizens of heaven, we have a new name placed upon us. Now, with my own children, one of our practices that Teresa and I have done as we have raised them and, and then as they spend more time away from us as they get older, we've said, now remember, wherever you go, you bear my name, right? You bear the Von Bush name. And so when you're out doing other things and engaged in other activities or with your friends or whatever the case may be, I want you to think about the reputation I'm going to have based on how you're living because you bear my name. And so Paul says, as citizens of heaven, we bear Christ's name. I use that as hopefully a teaching tool, maybe a little pressure. But anyway, um, ba again, back at our pastor's meeting this past week, we were talking about this very thing. And one of our pastors from up north, he says, you know, and he's got Russian background and he's got just this presence about him and way of talking about things. And he says, my dad, this is this, this example he shared with us, my dad would say things like this. You either change your ways or you change your name <laughs> That's, you either change your ways or you change your name that's a pretty powerful statement right he has this heart to heart with him says that's the that's the reality of the situation here the way you're living doesn't match with the reputation is in the end what he's saying now jesus more than anybody else has the right to say to us that kind of a statement. Change your ways or change your name. But he doesn't. What Jesus says to us is, in your baptism, I gave you my name. And now I will give you whatever you need to live in that name. 
He will transform us. And that's what Paul says right there in the heart of it, the middle of that text. He says, and God will transform you. Jesus will transform you to live as this citizen. And so it's not up to us. We can't do it. But he says, I will do it in you. I will live this life in you. And so then we come back to the fact, third point, we are citizens with Christ. Paul says we are citizens with Christ. This is Christ's kingdom. And he says now he has made us citizens with Him in His kingdom, living this new reality. Paul says our citizenship, our new reality is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the very Lord Jesus Christ. He has loved us and honored us. And Paul even refers to us as joy and crown and treasured ones and dear friends. We are citizens of the same place where Christ is a citizen. And He has joined us together with Him and calls us His very own. To God be the glory. Amen. Hey everyone, just a reminder that we have Lent Soup Suppers every Wednesday at 6.15 before our Lenten worship service at 7. Make sure to come to that. There is soup provided and bring a dish to share. Also, 10W Total Health for Men is starting up again on March 25th. It is going to be on Monday nights from 5.30 to 6.30. If you have any questions, you can contact Pastor Von Bush.